Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Before we jump into the message, just want to give you some last-minute details about next weekend. I am really excited about next weekend. And those watching online, we just want to let you know we're not going to stream Revival Weekend. That is something that we want you to experience in person. So if any of you were thinking, oh, I'll just watch certain day at home, well, you're out of luck. That is something that you got to experience in person. So next weekend is Revival Weekend, and I'm really excited. I'm believing that God is going to do something wonderful. How many are with me? Amen. So I just want you to know that Friday we're starting at 730. It's a little bit of a, of a later time, but we know it's Friday. You get out of work. You probably have to go run home, do a quick dinner, whatever it is. So we're going to start at 730, and we're going to have a wonderful time we are having a guest worship leader. He's amazing. God uses him in a very powerful way. And we're going to be selling food afterwards. So if you don't get to eat like a full meal, don't worry. Uh, there will be food here. Also, this is, this is one of the things that I'm really excited about this year. We're going to have something wonderful for our kids. during. They're going to have their own revival weekend as well. Amen? So Friday night. Friday night, we're going to be talking to them about the fact that they are the light of the world. And we, we've been working on the chapel. We've been preparing it. And it's going to be neon night. So we want to ask you to bring your kids with neon colors. If they don't have neon colors, colors, have them wear something white. We got some black lights. We got a bunch of cool things prepared for them. So that's going to be uh, Friday night. And then Saturday, they're actually going to have their Sunday on Saturday. Because on Saturday, they're going to talk about Jesus' promise that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon us. Amen? And uh, so we're, gonna, we're asking you to have them come and wear, if they have an a, a outfit, a costume, my kid's got a bunch of them. I don't know if that's just my kid or every kid. But if they don't have one, maybe you can buy them one. And if you don't want to buy them one, don't worry. We bought some extra ones, okay? So, so, so we're really uh, thinking of our kids this year. Um, so we're going to be doing that. Um, so, so I hope that if you got little ones, you bring them. I'm so excited, which, by the way, let, let me tell you something. Um, there were some purchases that we needed to make, and yesterday we had prayer. And I was praying to the Lord, Lord, you know, I, I really would like to be able to get certain things for the kids. They're not necessary. They're not essential, but they would be cool. They would be wonderful, Lord, if, if we could just get them. And I came to prayer, and that was one of my prayers that I had. And uh, on my way home, somebody from church texted me, and they said, Pastor, I just sent $200 for Revival Weekend. I don't know how you could use them, but, but they're there. And, and I told this person, I go, thank you. You're literally the answer to my morning 
morning prayer, amen? So, so God is definitely on the move. So that's gonna be happening on for the kids. So Friday, 7.30, Saturday, six o'clock, and Saturday, we're gonna have tacos. How many like tacos? Amen, we're gonna have tacos, and then on Sunday, it's gonna be our regular time, 9.30, and we're gonna end with a big celebration. We're gonna break our fast at the end of the service, and we're gonna have all kinds of junk food for you. We're gonna have all kinds of exotic, cool drinks for you. Just to give you a little hint, Marianne is doing them, so you know it's gonna be good, right? So, so that's going on. Um, two other things, and then we'll jump into the message. Sundays, we believe that this weekend is gonna be so powerful that we wanna have spontaneous baptisms. In other words, we're gonna have baptisms on Sunday outside. If you have not taken that step of obedience in your relationship with God, take it. Let us know, say, hey, I'd like to get baptized. If you got questions, you can talk to Pastor Manolo or Pastor Tony, and uh, they'll take you out to coffee and, and explain all baptisms to you. But if any of you have not, and you would like to do it, I think this is a great weekend to do it. And then last but not least, I want to say thank you to those of you that have gone above and beyond your regular giving to give towards this coming weekend. Um, I'm grateful. Thank you so much. And for those of you that haven't, it is not too late to do that. You can still do that today and you can help us make this coming weekend better. Amen. Are you excited? All right. I hope you are and I hope you're getting ready. Well, we're in a series that we've titled Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And we've said that decisions are important because decisions determine the direction, the course of our life. Where you are today is the result of the decisions that you've made. But decisions don't only determine the direction, the course of your life, they also determine the quality of your life. And, and, and this is a big one, decisions also impact those around us, but not just those around us, but those after us. We are where we are because of the choices our parents and grandparents made, right? So decisions are important. And, and, and we said the thing about decisions is that Decisions really shape the story of our life. And everybody's got a story to tell. Your life, your life is a story that you're going to have to tell. And in this series, we want to help you make better decisions so that you can actually tell the story you want to tell. So that you don't have to leave details out. So that you don't have to leave people out. So that you don't have to pretend like you didn't hear the question. But so that you can actually be proud of telling the story that you want to tell. And we've said that the key to making good decisions is what? Asking good questions. That most of us got in trouble with bad decisions because we didn't ask the right questions. And that good questions lead to good decisions. So we've been looking at Ephesians 5, and we've, we're looking at four verses. And out of these four verses, we're drawing four, I mean, three questions that are going to help us make better decisions. Last week, we looked at the first verse, and we said that the first question to ask is, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? In light of your past, in light of your current circumstances, in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Today, we're going to look at the second one. And next weekend, when we wrap up our revival weekend, we're going to look at the third one. Are you ready? 
Amen? Let's pray and then we'll jump into the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful presence. I thank you for every person that is present in this room. We thank you for those that are watching online or that may watch this later on today or this week, Lord. I pray that your word today, Lord, would open our eyes, would open our ears, and Lord, that your word would give us the ability to see what you are wanting to do in our life, that we may sense it, that we may see it, and that we may cease it. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. If you would grab your bulletin inside of it, there's an outline, pull it out with me. Look at what Ephesians 5 verses 15 through 18 says. Let's, we're going to read that. Look at what it says. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those that are wise. And that's where we got our first question is, what is the wise thing to do? But look at what verse 16 and 17 say. It says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Anybody agree with me that things are getting worse? Right? Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And then look at verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine. Some of you needed to have heard this yesterday. Okay, no amens. All right. We'll leave that for next Sunday. Don't be drunk with wine because that will what? Ruin your life. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And verses 16 and 17, we get our second question to help us make better decisions to have fewer regrets. Let's read one more. Look at what it says. It says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Can you see the second question? Do you see it? Does it jump out at you? It says, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. To make better decisions with fewer regrets, it helps to know what is God's will for me. If you want a life worth telling, well, then you got to know what's, what's God's plan for your life. What is the life story that God prepared for you? Now, now, we all know this. We all know this. We may not accept it. We may not say amen to it. We might not post it in our social media, but we all know the following, and it's this, that if we had followed God's will in the past, we would have made better and I would even change it to greater decisions, and we would have fewer regrets today. I mean, that's the part that we kind of leave out of our life story, right? Those times where we didn't follow God's will for our life, where we didn't follow God's plan for us. And every time that we don't follow God's plan for us, it will lead to regret. It will lead to death. It will lead to pain. It will lead to misery. Now, now, let me tell you something, because I know what some of you guys are thinking. But I don't know God's will. Can I tell you something? One of the mistakes that the church has made is that we've mystified God's will. We've made it this sort of impossible thing that you got to fast for 40 days and read the whole Bible and memorize a bunch of verses and not sin so that God can reveal what he wants for you. 
We've mystified knowing God's will, God's will. And we think that God only reveals his will through supernatural occurrences in uncommon ways. We want the clouds to open up or the wind to blow leaves together and spell God's will for us. You know, there's, there's many Christians today that, 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 I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. For example, somebody may say, well, no, I'm thinking about buying a car. I don't know if I should or not. I want to know if it's God's will for me to buy a car. So I'm going to pray about it. So they go and they pray about it. And then they'll say something like, oh, you know what happened? The next day in the mail, I got a magazine about cars. And then I had a dream that I was driving a car. And then while I was surfing the internet, there was a bunch of pop-ups about cars. I think God wants me to buy a car. For many Christians, knowing God's will is no better than, than the horoscope or a good fortune cookie. Because that's the approach they take, which you shouldn't be reading the horoscope. It's a bunch of lies and baloney. Okay? But for many Christians, kind of the approach that they have that God's will it's it's like a horoscope it's listen let me tell you something God's will can be known it is possible to it is not difficult to know God's will did you know that that if there's something that I would want you to walk away this morning is of that reality it is not difficult to know what God wants for you It is not difficult to know God's life plan for you. Let me prove it to you. Just just two things. Let me prove it to you. Number one, here it is. I didn't put this in your outline. You might want to write this down because this is really good. Okay? God's will is not difficult to know because God's will is to be obeyed. They're going to put this in the screens. God's will is to be obeyed. And you can't obey it if you don't understand it. God cannot expect you to obey what you don't understand. So if he expects you to obey it, which we all know God wants us to obey his will, he makes it understandable to us. Second, God's will is to be fulfilled. God wants you to do his will. And you can't if you don't know it. How do you fulfill God's plan for you if you don't know it? So God's will is not hard to know you know his hispanic parents i don't know if every parent does this i know his hispanic parents do this but hispanic parents or at least my parents have this funny thing they do okay what is that funny thing they do my mom or my dad and i find myself doing that sometimes they'll say something like this they'll say nestor can you go bring me the thing that's on top of that thing Anybody else parents do that? Hey, can you go get that thing? You, you, know, uh, you know that thing we used yesterday? Somewhere in the house. Can you go find it? And you're like, what thing? Where? I, God's will is not like that. God's will is, is knownable. God's will is understandable. God's will is clear. God's will is available to us. We don't have to guess. You don't have to go to a fortune cookie. You don't got to go get your palm read. You, you know, God's will is plain and visible for us to know. Well, pastor, if it is, 
How is it that God reveals his will? Well, before I tell you that, look at what Psalms 139.16 says. Look at what it says. This is David. And he says, he says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. What book is that? In his plans, in his will. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Did you know that God knows what tomorrow holds for you? Do you know that God knows what next month holds for you? Did you know that God knows what 20 years from now holds for you? You know why he knows? Because he designed it. He planned it. Before he created you, he had a plan for you, and that is his will for your life. So so if God has a, a will for me, if God has a life plan for me, How is it that he reveals it? Well, let me give you a few ways that he does it. Number one, he does it through scripture, God's word. Last week, we said that God's word, it's God's wisdom, but it's also God's will for you. In it, we can know what God wants for us, right? So God uses scripture. Also, God uses the Holy Spirit. And that's the blessing that we Christians have that non-Christians don't have, talk about that next week. We're going to talk about how the anointing of the Holy Spirit helps us to make better decisions. But the Holy Spirit is how God reveals his will to us. Number three, God reveals his will to us through our unique makeup, our desires, our passions, our gifts, our abilities, our inclinations, those things that we're good at, right? It's the old cliche. God wouldn't expect you to fly and not give you wings, God wouldn't expect you to live underwater and not give you the ability to live underwater. So the the way you were made, the the unique shape that you have, and I'm not talking about your physical shape, it, it it, it points to God's will for your life. But last, God's will is revealed through circumstances, through the things that happen. And today, I want to specifically, Focus on this last one and look at the opportunities because that's what Paul says in in this verse. He says, make the most out of every opportunity and understand what the Lord wants you to do. In other words, knowing God's will is revealed and understood and accomplished through the opportunities that God presents to us. In Ephesians 5, the three questions, the, 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 the direction, the, the, the counsel that these verses give us to make better decisions is one, act wisely, think wisely, ask the mature question, is it wise? But second, we are to look and take advantage of opportunities because opportunities reveal the will of God. Now, notice what Paul says. He says, make the most out of every opportunity. Listen to me, church. That's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. It's not as, Paul doesn't say you should. He says, make. It is a commandment. And if you want to make better decisions, you have to use wisdom and you have to be alert to opportunities because it is through opportunities that most of us did not Connect these dots. It is through opportunities that God takes us to the life he prepared for us. It is through opportunity that God develops the relationships that he meant for us. It is through opportunities that God takes us to the places he prepared for us. It is through opportunities that God uh, uh, accomplishes the purpose that he created us for. And, And 
Amen. And if that wasn't good enough, here's the biggest motivation. It is through opportunities, the way God brings excitement to our life. Without new opportunities, life becomes dull. You know that we Christians shouldn't be boring people? We, 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 we are the people that we're alive. We're the people that hope. We're the people that have joy. We shouldn't be the sour-faced people. And it is through opportunities that not only God takes us to where he wants to take us and connects us to the people he wants to connect us and accomplishes the purposes that he created us, but it is also the way that God brings excitement to our life. It is the way that God brings life to our life. So, but before we jump into helping you better understand the opportunities, here, here's something else you gotta know. For most of us, when it comes to making decisions, we, we don't wanna do bad. We say, okay, what is the bad thing? Because I don't wanna do it, right? We, we, last week it was like, is it a sin or how close to sin can I get? Paul in these verses says that it's not enough not to do bad that we are to do good. Because you may say, you may say, Pastor, I don't have bad friendships. Yeah, but do you got healthy ones? You may say, Pastor, I don't smoke, drink, or hang out with people that do. Yeah, but do you have dreams and are you pursuing them? You may say, Pastor, I don't scream at my kids. Good, but are you discipling them? Because see, it is not enough to not do bad. Because you cannot do bad and not do great. What Paul says here is it's just not to not do bad, but to take advantage of the opportunities to do the good that God created us for. And here's the thing. Great opportunities from God are all around us. They're around us. God is constantly giving us opportunities. We just don't know how to see them. We don't know how to select them. And we don't know how to seize them. A life worth telling, a life worth leading is the sum of seized opportunities. Some of those things you regret are opportunities you missed and you passed on. I've shared with you on various occasions that one of the biggest regrets I have is that when I had the opportunity to do chapel for the Dodgers, I passed on it. I passed on it. For whatever reason or excuse at that time, I passed on it. And now that's part of my story, but it's not something that I could say, hey, you know, I did chapel for the Dodgers. Now, I didn't. I missed on it. And some of us, we, 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 we miss those opportunities. And, 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 and a life worth living, a successful life, a life that, that accomplishes the will, of, uh, the will of God is one that knows how to seize opportunities. So how do we do that? Well, what I want to do is I want to, I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about opportunities, the lessons, the things that the Bible says about opportunities so that you can better see them, sense them, and seize them. Are you ready with me? Are you ready? Number one, here's the first one. Great opportunities, and this is the biggest one, are often disguised as obstacles and opposition. The first thing that the Bible teaches us about opportunities is that God often disguises them as opposition or an obstacle. 
The number one reason we miss out on God-given opportunities is we want them on a silver platter. God, I want that dream job, but I want it with the highest paid salary and two blocks away from my house. And I want it with a month of vacation before I have to start working there. We want God to give us opportunities on a silver platter, but he doesn't. God, more times than not, will bring opportunities through obstacles, through opposition. I love what Thomas Edison said. He said the following. He said, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and it looks like work. <laughs> See, if you're going to make the most out of every opportunity, if you're going to, you, the first thing you got to know is that God-given great opportunities don't likely come on a silver platter. In fact, I would be more cautious with those silver platter opportunities because that's what the enemy will do than those opportunities that arise out of opposition and obstacle. You know, God-given opportunities, great opportunities, aren't always easy because of the obstacles and opposition, but they're always worth it. You know what is easy? Regret. You know what is not opposed? Those things that lead to regret. If you look at every man and woman in the Bible, the opportunities they had came as a result of an obstacle or an opposition. We, we, we want the opportunity to part the Red Sea. We just don't want Pharaoh chasing us to kill us. We want to kill the giant without the giant actually facing us. We want the miracle of feeding thousands without feeling the stress of feeding thousands. Opportunities come dressed as obstacle or opposition. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. He says, there is a wide open door for a great work here and many people are responding, but there are also many who what? Who oppose me. Listen to me. Anytime you say, I'm going to do something good, somebody or something is going to oppose Anytime you say, I'm going to turn my life around, I'm going to get straight, I'm going to get good with God, I'm going to become a good person, something or somebody is going to oppose you. And the one that is going to oppose you definitely is the enemy because he doesn't want to lose you if he's got a hold of you. So, so a lot of times opposition is a good sign of an opportunity. That God is wanting to do something. That God is giving us an opportunity to do something in our life. Listen, every obstacle in your marriage is an opportunity to go deeper in your marriage. Every obstacle with your kids is an opportunity to disciple your kids. Every obstacle at the workplace is an opportunity to, be, to show godliness at work. Every obstacle in your faith is an opportunity to grow into deeper and stronger faith. But if we see them as obstacles in opposition, we'll miss out the opportunity. So, so what obstacles, what problems do you need to shift your mind and say, what opportunity is God giving me here? What, what may God want to be wanting to do that I need to sense, I need to see, and I need to cease? Number two, here's the second thing we know about opportunities through the Bible. And that is that God-given opportunities, that great opportunities 
are provided, are delivered through people. Most of us, as I said, we want the heavens to open up. We want God to deliver the opportunity on a silver platter. Listen, every opportunity is sent by God. Every opportunity is inspired by God. But more times than not, he will use somebody to deliver it. We human beings are God's UPS. God is, now, now here's the thing, here's the thing. I know what you're thinking, and I'm with you, I'm with you. People, we're sucky, right? People are sucky. I don't know if I could say that word. I know Lorena's like, okay, what's another word? Somebody help me. I can't think of, well, people, we're not the most reliable. We're so flaky and emotional and self-centered, and we get easily offended, and, and, and all we can think of is ourselves, and we want it our way. Or Like, we people, we're difficult. That's a better word. People are difficult, aren't they? And that includes me. That inc- and that includes you, right? But, but check this out. Why, why would God use such difficult and delicate and unstable source to bring us opportunities. I mean, why, why, why not use angels, God? Why not use some divine force of nature? Why use my mom? She, she screams and still throws the chancla. Why use my brother? He's not even Christian. Why use my boss? Have you seen how much of a jerk he is? Why would God use, why would God use people to deliver the opportunities that he wants for our life? I'll tell you why. Because he chose the weak things of this world so that he would be glorified through them. I don't know about you, but I'm actually glad that as difficult as we are, that God would still use me. I mean, I would hate for God to expect me to be perfect, to use me, to bring you opportunities through me. So see, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. We shouldn't burn bridges. We live in a time because of political issues, race issues, Sex issues, we burn bridges. And we shouldn't burn bridges. One of the best advice that I've gotten from an older pastor was that. Don't burn bridges. Because God will use people to bring about his blessings and his will for your life through people. So don't burn bridges. When people leave our church, it hurts me. But I I don't block them. I don't delete them. I don't ignore them. Some of them still call me and invite me to lunch. And I let them pay, para que se les quite. <laughs> but don't burn bridges. Don't burn bridges. Which, by the way, aside from opportunities, we're the people of light. We're the people of hope. How are we going to bring hope and light to the lost if we burn those bridges? You know what's the other thing that this means? This means you shouldn't do life alone. You shouldn't do your faith in isolation. God wants to use the weird people in this room to bring about his will for your life. Isn't that awesome? God uses this functional Manolo to bring about God's will for my life. And God uses this functional Nestor to bring some will into his life. 
Listen, look at this, look at this, look at this. Look at the people around you. Would you look at them? Just look at them. I know they're beautiful. They, they shower. Look at that. Here's what you need to learn to see. Listen, here's what you need to learn to see. God will likely bring you opportunities through them. God is going to give you the chance to fulfill his will through them. Uses people to deliver his will. You know, you know how we ended up in this church? When we got kicked out of our old church, because we got kicked out, can you believe that? I didn't sin or anything. We got kicked out, like literally kicked out. Like we didn't even get a chance to say bye. And the next Sunday they had a meeting about me and Lorena. That was, that was like the Sunday service. It was about bashing me and Lorena. But when we got kicked out, we were like, okay, where do we go now? Where do we call home? That had been our home for 16 years. But listen, Lorena worked with a lady that came to Dayspring and still does to today in our Spanish service. At that time, my brother's best friend also came to this church. And they were the tool that God used to bring us to this place. And I remember when we came, um, about a few months into it, Pastor Frank, I'll never forget it. It was a Sunday after our last service. He, he came up to me and he said, hey, Nestor, I'd like to take you and Lorena out to lunch because I want to help you fulfill God's plan for your life. I'll never forget that. You're seeing it today. He, they have been a great tool that God has used to, to, to provide those opportunities that I need to fulfill God's, life, God's purpose in my life. In 2019, I was part of a group called the DeVos Group, and it had been one of the best experiences in my life. It's this really wealthy family here in America. And listen, they paid for our travel. They put us in the best hotels. They brought some of the best teachers. They gave us so many things. Everything was free. I learned so much from, from that course. And I got that opportunity because of my relationship with the pastor here in the Valley. It cost me nothing. I got to go to Michigan. I got to go to Florida. I got to go to a bunch of, and stay in a bunch of cool hotels because of that opportunity and that relationship with that pastor. So, so God is going to use the annoying people, right? You, you know this. You know this. If you ask God, God, make me more loving, what is he going to do? He's going to bring somebody really annoying. If you say, God, make me more generous, what is God going to do? He's going to bring you people in need. God, make me, make me, help me have a stronger faith. What is he going to do? Or patient. Right? That's why he brought me Lorena. <laughs> Number three. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. Um, great opportunities, God-given opportunities, here's, a, here's an important one, are more numerous to those who prepared. The Bible teaches us that opportunities come more often to those who prepare. To make the best of every opportunity, you have to be ready. You know why? You know why? Because opportunities don't give us a warning, do they? Opportunities don't give us an advance notice. Opportunities come. And if you're not ready, what happens? We miss out. And many of us, we've missed out on great opportunities because we have not been ready. I want to give you a challenge. I want to give you a challenge. I want to 
I want to challenge you this week or sometime this month. I want you to find every verse in the Bible where we are commanded to be ready or stay ready. You're going to be surprised. Did you know that part of living our, our, our faith is staying ready? Did you know how many times Jesus said, be ready, stay ready? Why? Because if we're not ready, we'll miss out on opportunities. Now, come on, let's get real. Why, why, why is it that most of us are not ready? I'll give you two big reasons. Two big reasons. You ready? You can write them down. Number one, discipline. I want to be rich. I just don't want to have to work hard. I want to be in good shape, but still eat all the cheesecake I want. I want healthy relationships. I just don't want to have to work on them. The number one reason we don't stay ready is discipline. And the second reason is patience. We want it easy and we want it now. Let let, let me talk about those two um, briefly. We spoke about patience last week, but, but here's a mistake that we make. Sometimes we think that 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 the stories in the Bible move at the speed of how we read the Bible. I'll tell you what I mean by that. For example, chapter one, we see the problem. Chapter two, God answers. Chapter three, everything's back to normal. And we said, well, you know, it took me about 30 minutes to read those three chapters. Why is it taking a whole week for God to answer in my life? Sometimes, more times than not, there is weeks, months, years, season, and chapters in the Bible. And a lot of times we don't, because we are not patient. We want it now. We want it in our timing. And let me tell you, the bigger the dream, the bigger the opportunity, the bigger the cooking time. And I'll tell you this, time does not invalidate your dream. It validates it. The longer you wait, the longer it validates your dream. So we often are not ready because because we we don't have patience. And second, because we don't have the discipline. I've been praying for you guys and and, uh, our our weekend a lot. And uh, as I was praying and preparing for this message, one of the things that the Lord put in my heart was the following. And I want to say this in a very loving way. God wants to set people free. God wants to heal hearts. God wants to restore hope. There's some of you that you're carrying forgiveness and God wants to take it away. There's some of you that you have a gap, a hurt in your soul, and God wants to address it. For some of you, there's addictions that God wants to break. There's visions that God wants to give. There's wonderful things that God wants to do, and he wants to do them next weekend. But there's going to be some of you that are going to miss them because you haven't been disciplined enough to prepare yourself spiritually through fasting and praying and reading God's word. And you're going to show up. You might, you might not even show up next Sunday. But some people are going to show up. They're going to say, God, do it now. And our heart hasn't been tendered. Our mind hasn't been prepared. Our spirit hasn't been brought alive to be able to sense, see, and seize what God wants to do. 
Why? Because we don't have the discipline. We got excuses. I can't last till 2 p.m. Pastor's crazy. Daniel fast? Come on. Discipline. Discipline is doing those things we don't like to do to accomplish the things that we want to do. Right? I don't want to have to wait till 2 p.m. You know, we had scheduled a lunch with a couple of the church today. And uh, yesterday, my wife um, reminded me that we can't eat till 2 p.m. You know, we were supposed to go right after church. And it blew my mind. So you know what we did? We rescheduled it. We said, we'll do it next Sunday. Why? Because I want what God has for me more than I want a meal. What are the things that you may be missing out because you're not ready? Because you're not prepared. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Here's an opportunity we all have. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Remember Martha was so worried about what? Let's clean the house. Let's get the food ready. Let's do this. Let's do that. She even complained to Jesus. She even dogged Jesus and he said, hey, don't you care that my sister's not helping me? But what did Jesus reply? He said, hey, Mary has chosen the supreme, the top, and it will not be taken away. Here, let me tell you what that means. Mary chose to take advantage of the opportunity, she had Jesus by herself. You realize that there was crowds that traveled from towns far away to come and see Jesus. And here is Mary alone with Jesus. She could ask him whatever he wants. She could just be with him and enjoy him. And Martha had that opportunity too. But what? She was too busy with other stuff. Every day we have the opportunity to be alone with Jesus too. But sometimes, well, I'm going to be late. Or I, I worked late last night. Or the, I got to get the kids ready. And we take a Martha attitude instead of taking advantage like Mary did. One, one other way you stay ready. One other way you stay ready. God doesn't expect perfection from you. He doesn't because he knows we can't be perfect. If God expected perfection from us, he wouldn't have sent Jesus to die for us. Okay? You and I, we're going to make mistakes. But you know what he does expect from us? Holiness. And one of the main ways we stay ready is by dealing with the sin in our lives. You're going to sin. You're going to mess up. And one of the ways you stay ready is by staying clean. And every time you mess up, you ask for forgiveness. Every time you do something that you know that doesn't please God, you ask for forgiveness. You repent. You say, you know what? I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I acted like that. Because sin will corrupt you, will make you unclean. And when you're unclean, you cannot be ready for God to use you. So get, 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 get used to staying clean. You don't need perfection, but you do need to be cleanly. You do need to be holy. And the way we stay holy is by confessing our sins and changing. Amen? Now, last thing. I'm sorry. That was the last point. Now, let me quickly give you, let me quickly give you three enemies of opportunities, and I'll finish with this. I, I'm done. Some things that will keep you. So, so we talked about those things that the Bible teaches about opportunities, right? That they're often dressed as opposition and obstacles that they are delivered through people and that they come more often to those who are prepared. But now let me give you three enemies of opportunities, three things 
that will keep you from making the best of opportunities. Are you ready? Number one is stubbornness. I don't want to change. I'm comfortable. I've always done it this way. I'm fine. Let me tell you something. God wants to take you to new and higher places. And if you are stubborn to stay where you are and stay comfortable, you're going to miss out on those opportunities. Number two, the second enemy of opportunities is busyness. I'm too busy. I can't, I can't do that. I can't take that on. I can't pay attention to that because I'm too busy. I got three kids and a church and I got hot. I'm too busy. Let me tell you something. In the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke, there's a passage in chapter 9 where Jesus comes to three potential disciples. Listen to this. Three potential disciples. They could have been part of of those men that we know in the Bible, but instead they became part of the three men that that refused to be part of the disciples. There were three men that Jesus came to and he said, come follow me. And all three, all three said the following. They said, Lord, let me first. Let me first go bury my parents. Let me first go take care of this. Let me first do that. And let me tell you something. Lord, let me first is a contradiction. Because if he's Lord, then you're not first. And if you're first, then he's not Lord. And many of us continue to do the same today. Lord, but let my kids grow up first. And then I'll get serious about the kingdom. Lord. I'll live a holy life, but once I get married. Lord, I'll be generous, but, but, but once I start my business. Lord, and let me first, cannot exist in the same sentence. Either he is Lord or you are Lord. And if he is Lord, there is no let me first. So when it comes to busyness, a lot of times busyness is the result of the fact that he's not Lord that we determine what we want. Because if he was Lord, when he presented the opportunities, we would seize them. But busyness will keep you from it. By the way, opportunities from God look a lot like obedience to God. Did you know that? That's good. Opportunities from God, more times than not, look like obedience to God. And one of the reasons sometimes we can't obey is because we're too busy. And then last but not least, and this is a big one, we miss opportunities because of lack of faith, because we're scared, because we don't have all the details, because we don't think we have what it takes. And we, we often wrestle with the question, who do you think you are? Did you know that the enemy will try to sabotage you with that question? Who do you think you are? You can't do that. You, a happy marriage? No, who do you think you are? You, 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 you're gonna have a successful, you, you're gonna be a good, no, who do you think you are? And we often, we often sabotage ourselves with that question. Who do I think I, I'm only five feet, I, I can't do that. I'm already 40, I can't do that. Listen, the question is not who do you think you are? The question is, who do you think God is? Who do you think God is? Some of you are saying, you know, I'll have peace. I'll have peace once I'm older. 
Faith says, no, you can have it now. Some of you say, you know, I, I, I'm not really useful until the kids leave, uh, are, are grown and they have their own careers. No, you're useful in the kingdom of God now. Some of you are saying, you know, uh, I'll be happy once I'm married. No, faith says you could be happy now. I, I'll have peace once, once I don't have any more debt. And faith says, no, you can have a supernatural that surpasses all understanding now. And a lot of times we miss opportunities because we lack faith. Now, every opportunity from God is going to be bigger than you. The reason we need to seize every opportunity is because God is not going to bless you that you could sit at the mountaintop and boast. He's going to bless you because he wants to bless your kids. He's going to bless you because he wants to bless your neighborhood. He's going to bless you because he wants to bless your church. He's going to bless you because he wants to bless your community. Every community, every opportunity is bigger than ourselves. And God brings them not just so that we can feel good and accomplished, but so that he could be glorified and others could also benefit. You want to make better decisions? Understand what the Lord's will is for you. God will allow you to know his will through the opportunities. You got to see them, you got to sense them, and you got to seize them. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations, if you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.